Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 111 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike and with me as always is Hannah. How are you this evening? I am well, thank you very much. And we have just got the kids to bed and had our tea, so uh, when I ask Hannah how she is today, um, that's not just performative. Um, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely don't know how you are today because uh, we have just sat down and we have started podcasting. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you are doing well. Uh, we are going to be talking about the, let's have a look here at Return of a Tape, the seventh episode of season five of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the episode Together or Not at All. Uh, Hannah, would you like to tell us a little bit about this episode? Sure. Uh, synopsis says, just as the team reunites, they become prey to an undefeated Cree warrior bent on killing them all. Don't you just hate it when that happens? It's a fucking nightmare. It's, a, it's that um, old story, isn't it? Directed by Brad Turner okay. and written by Matt Owens. Cool. Okay. Well, looking forward to this one. I've been enjoying this season so far. Um, a couple of quick bits of housekeeping, uh, as I want to do. First and foremost, a reminder that we always appreciate feedback and you can send that to us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you listen to us on YouTube, please feel free to leave us comments there and you can also uh, like and subscribe and thumbs up and share and all that good kind of stuff. And also we appreciate um, five-star reviews on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, and please do check out our friend shows, namely The Iron Sequel, The Good, The Bad and The Odd, his film, her movie, Chin Stroker vs. Punter, Film Bastards, Entertainment Landfill, and Talk Without Rhythm podcast. So, uh, so yes, Hannah, do we have any feedback this week? We do, indeed. I'll start with the YouTube comments. Oh, please do. Um, right, so on episode 109, um, Rewind. Mm-hmm. Jack Dubs, um, <clears throat> regarding my embarrassing geekdom tale, it was embarrassing at the time and I did purchase a signed poster, uh-huh. uh, but I did learn not to put people so high on a pedestal. A lot of the time, regardless of how much a particular celebrity's work means to me personally, they are just people trying to keep a roof over their heads or put food on the table. Absolutely. A fun observation, I'm pretty sure that Clark Gregg is contractually obligated to be in every episode of the show. Even when a story doesn't naturally have a place for him, the writers always seem to find a way to feature Coulson. And it always seems to be in newly filmed material, not stock footage or archive material. When Gemma was stranded on Mavith... Um, Coulson appears in a video message on her phone and the writers have gone out of their way to recreate the diner scene from uh, season 4 episode 22 with the full cast just so that Clark Gregg can deliver the same line to Enoch yeah in a different angle Um, yeah I mention this observation here because there's something I want to bring up when we get to season 6 interesting yeah that's a great point and i mean we've talked before about how um tv shows often use dream sequences and visions and Mm. clones and all manner of tricks to ensure that uh you know the the those contractual obligations are uh you know are kept to um but i wouldn't be surprised because i mean when they were doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, Clark Gregg, he, he probably had them over a barrel a little bit. Yeah. Because it's kind of, they knew they weren't going to get Samuel L. Jackson for a network TV show. Mm. And I think after Samuel L. Jackson, it was really, 
Who's the logical choice? He's the most well-known, yeah. you know, MCU representation of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. Uh, I mean, maybe Kobe Smulders, but, I mean, she was doing How I Met Your Mother at that yeah. point. Uh, and even then, I'd still say that Coulson was more prominent in yeah. that, that era. Definitely. Um, so, you know, if, if he wanted to say to them, I wanted... And, and you hear these kind of um, funny contracts. One of my favourite ones, I've never heard this term, but... Um, Famously, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy have what's called a favoured nation clause in their contract, which means that any perk that the uh, one actor gets, the other one receives, mm. which is why um, William Shatner directed Star Trek V after Leonard Nimoy directed Star Trek IV. Yeah. Like they had to give that to him. But they were clever. They revealed years later, because they, they went and there was always reports that they didn't get on and that that they were competitive and they were like, if they've got it in their contract, I will have it in mine. Yeah. Years later, they revealed that they met and agreed together yeah. that they would do this and that it would be mutually... And they kind of ran a scam, yeah. basically saying, look, it's good for both of us that any sweet deal that one of us gets, the other one will get, and we can basically turn, take it in turns every time there's a new film and they want to do it to get as much shit out of them <laughs> as we yeah, can, you know? And um, it worked well for them for a really long time, you know? Yeah. Favoured nation clause. I love that that, that that term. Yeah, I think my kids, well, our kids, uh, have that They have a favoured well. Oh, well, It's so. one of those things where I think Hannah and I are almost um, OCD levels of balance. It's kind of like any time we say or do anything positive for one of the kids, we almost immediately do it for the other child as well. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Um, Silver Surfer says. Silver Surfer says. Here we go. Silver Surfer says. Silver Surfer says. We need. We need some kind of uh, Adam Buxton. We need a jingle. Yeah. Uh, sending good energy to Agent Jason, um, and that's lovely. That is good. That yeah, absolutely. Um, he also says, "I was never a fan of Hunter, but I must admit he was great here." His dynamic with Fitz is fantastic, and watching this again, you can see aspects of his. Fitz's mental fragility. You were going to say Fizbo after we no, watched. Uh, I was just going to say Fizzes. Fizzes. <laughs> his last line of "I have it in me" is a terrific nod to his season four darkness. Always enjoys enjoy listening to you too. Oh, that's very kind, and we always enjoy Fever. your feedback. Um, now I have a really, really exciting email. <gasps> okay. Okay. <clears throat> It is entitled, Thanks for the Last Episode. Hannah and Mike, this is Stan Brooks. I directed the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, A Life Earned. Mm. It was my episodic directorial debut. What a treat to be able to get an episode of my favourite show. Prior to starting a directing career, I was a prolific film producer. I was delighted that you were so complimentary about the episode and I had the best time with one of the best casts and crews in the business. And you spoke about so many of the specific things I worked so hard on. I loved that you talked about Daisy's sass, which is something we went for on set. Hmm. You also caught my special shot in the fight between May and Sonara. Truth be told, I showed the stunt coordinator and stunt folks the same shot from a recent Fast and the Furious film. Oh, cool. You complimented the emotion of the scene with Mac and Yo-Yo when Mac talks about missing his daughter, the one from the framework. That's my favourite moment in the episode. In the first two takes, Henry Simmons cried as he talked about being a dad. 
We then tried it different. I suggested he try doing it, but this time fight against the tears. Do everything you can to not cry, That's but a good get instinct. close to losing the battle. As you saw, it was so much better that way. You also talked up the big moment when Fitz pulls off the helmet and reveals himself. I did a little Hitchcock vertigo camera move on the reveal. Again, thanks. Oh yeah, the uh, the reverse the, zoom. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, thanks for the praise. When you get to rewatch of episode five of season seven, which I also directed, I'd be happy to come on the pod with you two and give you all the fun behind the scenes scoop. All the best, Stan Brooks. Yeah, that'd be great. We are so excited to have received. Yeah, that. chuffed. It's nice um, to get those insights into things that we were we were discussing. And we have been in touch with him subsequent to that, um, but yeah. just uh, wanted to say on on the podcast, you know, how, like, I got that email, the first thing I did was ring Mike at work and go, oh my God, guess what? <laughs> yeah, we played it real cool. Yeah, yeah, but the, yeah. No, I mean, it, I mean, Super just, chill. It's nice, because, I mean, the, the, the whole SAS thing, that is something that, if you think about the dialogue, it wasn't necessarily on the page, mm. you know, uh, and that shot he's talking about, that's the one I was talking about when he, they do that thing where he'll grab someone and throw them to the floor, but the camera will follow them, so the camera will turn yeah. as well. And that's something that you see a lot now, but it was a relatively new thing at this point. Mm. Um, and I think what he says about, you know, having Mac tell the story as trying to keep it down, that always works better. Yeah, you know, there's something about somebody not trying. It's like I mean, again, to go back to Star Trek, a great example of that is when Shatner's delivering the eulogy for Spock, and he's like, "Of my friend, I will say this: of all of the souls I have um, met in my travels, his was the most." And he stops himself, and you see him pull himself together, and he's mm -hmm. like, "His was the most human." And it's that almost that catch. The, and I think that's such a relatable thing. Yeah. You know. And I, 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 it, it, oh, it gets you far more. I mean, <clears throat> um, so uh, four years ago I had um, bowel surgery. I have Crohn's disease, just for the listeners. Um, and Yeah, I, I'm not hearing this for the first time, by the way, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in hospital for a week uh, recovering when I had my the like main operation and then William Shatner came in and delivered the Spock speech from the end of Wrath of Khan it no, was the weirdest thing but do you remember um, the day before I was actually discharged they let me come home because we lived like two minutes walk down the road from, yeah. from the hospital still didn't um, make it there to give birth to Philip though did no, you? no, no <laughs> still happened in uh... um, but they let me leave the hospital for the day come home and hang out with you guys as long as I went back um, in the sort of late afternoon yeah um, and sleep there overnight. And it's a bit like when they let prisoners you. take a turn around the yard. Yeah. <laughs> but do you remember Chloe that day? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it was horrible. So she she was four um, and obviously really happy that I was back and, and we kept She's like, I might get fed and clothed now. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, we were really... We were hammering home to her the fact that I had to go back to the hospital and I was just visiting and that I would be back, but I had to go and sleep at the hospital that night and, you know, that was all fine. And she came out to the letterbox with me um, and really didn't want me to go, but was 
doing that thing of of trying to be really brave. Yeah. And I will never forget it. Her saying to me, "Bye, bye, mum. Um, I'll see you tomorrow." Yeah, yeah. And she's it's just, heartbreaking, isn't it? Oh God, I felt like the worst mother in <laughs> the world. Stop it. Um, because I had to leave her, and uh, oh God, it it nearly tore me in two. Um, but yeah, I think about that whenever I see someone doing that, um, you know, holding the emotion back yeah. because it like it, it, it's far more powerful, it, you know, stands right. It is far more powerful yeah. than full on tears. There's a really nice moment in a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, you know, the visitor, the one where Cisco dies and you see his son grow old, not yeah. trying to get, and there's a moment where you see him reappear for a moment and they're trying to save him and he's about to go and his son's just standing there his young son's just standing there watching the doctors work on him and he's like look I've got to go in a minute son you know let me go and the the actor who plays Cisco's son is so good in that scene because he's doing what a boy would do in that scene you can see he wants to cry and he's holding it back and it's so much more powerful than if he was just blubbing you know and, and also a lot of the time crying it's a release well it's not just that crying looks ridiculous a lot, yeah. of the, a lot of the time when actors cry, even when it's performed well, it looks awkward mm. and having to deliver dialogue through that as well. So I think that there's there's a practical reason but, for that. Yeah, I mean, there is that practical reason. But I think as well, like, like I know, uh, obviously I can only speak of my own personal experience, but if I've got to a point where I'm crying, I'm releasing whatever emotion has built up in me. Yeah, that's the catharsis, isn't it? If I'm really trying hard not to... You're going through it at that point, aren't you? I haven't got to a point of acceptance with whatever that emotion is. So it's kind of... It it it's it's a better way of conveying that struggle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um but no, I mean gosh, great to hear from you. And and also I mean, you know, gosh your T television directorial debut, that yeah, it's a bloody score, that is, you know, Agents yeah. of Shield. And you know, he came back, so they obviously liked his work and it was a very solid episode. And I think also the fact that because this season or at least this sec- section of the se- season is is set in quite an enclosed environment. It does take a lot of flair to make it interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that the fact that he was using cinematic camera moves and techniques and quite cutting edge camera techniques helps. You yeah. know, it gives it, it injects a lot of viscera and um, you know, uh, kinetics and energy into the, the, the sequences. And I totally scoped the um yeah, the uh, reverse zoom as well. You got yeah. you got to do that. You got to do that when you yeah. have that kind of reveal. Oh, and it's yeah. and, and like I say, it's a little bit. Also, that moment reminded me a little bit of um, Return of the Jedi as well, when you know Leia has uh, infiltrated Jabba the Hutt's palace, and uh, you know she reveals that she was the bounty hunter. You know, yeah. it's very very similar kind of thing. But uh, mm. but no, yeah, great great to hear from you. So um, we um, yeah, always nice to have somebody who has that perspective and that behind the scenes knowledge to uh, inform our conversation. And so uh, I'm sure we will be hounding you for an interview at some point. Absolutely, we will. So uh, 
Okay, actually, it's probably worth mentioning as well at this point, just for the sake of clarity, that we're recording this episode, episode 111, before we've posted episode 110. Yeah. Um, so if there's some kind of weird time dilation going on with feedback or anything like that, then yeah. uh, that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and don't worry, we, we do... We read out everything we get. So, yeah, so if, if you, you haven't heard yours yet, yeah. it is literally just that that um, yeah. There's a delay. The way the way we've recorded it, it just didn't come in, in time. Yes, the post. So, I've still got an unedited episode of Shinstroker versus Spencer that I need to yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. take care of as well. So it's it's, it's very 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 busy. Mm. But um, okay, well we're going to um, hit pause. We're going to watch together or not at all the seventh episode of season five of Marvel's Agents of Shield, and then as we always do, we will return and we will react to, review, and riff on said episode. So we will be back with you shortly. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four and five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one is a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like all the orphans and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, so we've just finished watching Together or Not At All, the seventh episode of season five of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, uh, Hannah, what are your initial thoughts? It was... I I felt like this was a full-on action romp. Yeah, it was know? a very pacey episode, very wasn't it? Very pacey. Um, and it was Joshua Jackson. It was, it was <laughs> so Joshua Jackson. Um I really enjoyed it. I love the use of Sonara's theme um, to convey when she's getting all, you know, murdery. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, all the little twists and turns everything took. It was it was such a great episode. I <clears throat> love the development of Mac... Um, with Flint, um, sort of finding an outlet for that parental side of Mac um, and channeling it in a positive way. Yes, that's a good point. Um, and I think he needs that as much as Flint needs uh, someone in his, uh, you know, to support him. And we've talked before about how the whole family, the thematic element of family in the show is a big thing. So yeah. it's another... Um, it's just another facet. Yeah, exploratory yeah. avenue for them. Yeah. For that. Um, yeah, I just, I really love that. And I love um, seeing how they sort of come together and and um, how they just absolutely rip the shit out of Deke. Um, well, it's funny, I was thinking while we were watching this that, I mean, you're probably. I, I, 
I think maybe on a subconscious level or maybe on a conscious level, I don't know. You, I think you probably like this episode because it's everybody coming back together again, almost, well, with the exception mm-hmm. of May, of course. It's the first time this season, really, that the mo- the majority of the team have actually been t- in one place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think this was one of those ones where I've said before to, to, several times to the point where it's a bit of a bit of a mic cliche, but this is one of those kind of okay, we've got this new status quo, um, we can have some fun with it, and this felt like an episode where they were like, right, okay, we've got all this storyline going on, we've got all the stuff with Cassius, we've got all of that kind of, you know, um, Roman court. Um, you know, backstabbing and, you know, like when he kills his brother, he's very much like, you know, um, Mark Antony and Julius Caesar and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, they were like, they just had a team being pursued on the run episode. And they, I think that they just allowed themselves to just enjoy um, the... I guess the context of this season to tell a sort of fun story. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, this didn't actually, if you sit back and look at it, didn't actually move the story forward that much. No. But that's good because if, otherwise you end up with that kind of Wikipedia page style of storytelling. I- but what it did do is it used the mechanisms of the storytelling mechanisms of this, ser- of this season really well. Mm. I thought it uh, uh, was a good opportunity, and and they did it really well, of showing that Cassius is actually a far more formidable bad guy than his brother, because his brother is very straightforward in that it's all about battle, and it's, you know, he wants to be up close and personal and slashing away and, mm. you know, and his men are very much the same. Whereas Cassius and Sonara are very underhand. Yeah. Everything is nefarious and double meaning and sly looks and, you know, stabbing in the back and all that kind of thing. And um, that makes him a much more dangerous adversary to have because he's not going to play by any kind of yeah and and it's i mean part of it is again that whole roman sort of courtier thing but the funny thing is it reminds me a little bit i remember seeing an interview with um adam driver talking about kylo ren in star wars Mm. and he said that he felt that kylo ren was a much more modern villain than darth vader because darth vader is like a fairy tale villain Mm. you know he's this kind of you know dark wizard and he's evil yeah. Whereas, like Kylo Ren is kind of like the Unabomber or um, one of the Columbine kids. Mm. He's this sort of damaged, unpredictable kind of psychotic weakling, mm. and in some ways, that's more dangerous mm. and more frightening than an all-powerful dark lord, mm. you know. Well, and that's I, exactly what I was just saying about yeah, Cassius. That's what yeah. I mean. Is, and so I think that it's a similar kind of construct in the way that, you know, you you know where you stand with a Darth Vader or, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, you but, know how to approach them and, and kind of equally how to potentially defeat them. Well, yeah, you defeat them with force. Yeah. Whereas 
uh, like I say, the, these sort of like rogue. Thuffles. Yeah. <laughs> where, whereas a sort of like rogue fringe figure is um, harder to fight because it's harder to. It's more arbitrary and trickier to understand. Yeah. I mean, they the the only saving grace for a character like that is they always have an Achilles heel. Yeah. Um, whether that's a person or a thing, you know, there's always yeah. something. Or some baggage. But yeah. it's, it's funny as well. What it also does, of course, is it humanises them. Mm. Because you can have not simply... Like- you can have not sympathy, but empathy. Like, mm. It's like the whole somebody who's abused becomes the abuser kind of thing, whereas you can see that Cassius has probably... He's been treated really badly, and he's had a, probably had a shit life. Uh, it doesn't excuse him, but it kind of explains him. Yeah. And given how different he is to his brother, you can see why he was kind of sent on a suicide mission. Well, I mean, they're, they're yeah. entirely different shades of blue, for starters. Well, they are. You know? I was wondering. Oh, excuse me. Um, I was wondering if there is some kind of maybe Silver Surfer knows this. Um, if there is some kind of um explanation to the cream markings, like why do some of them have black around their eyes? Why do some have white? Yeah, yeah. Um, why is Kasaya so much lighter with with little bits of blue? Um, is is that just the way the Kree yeah. are, yeah. or is there? But is it, or is it their equivalent of how we have different hair color? Yeah, you know, yeah. is it just something as arbitrary? Uh, yeah, as you know, and, as that? and it probably is. It's just it, it, it was something that I um, I wondered whether there was some kind of like um, status association like a with cast it, perhaps. Kind yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, should we get into the break now? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we open up with um, Fitzsimmons and Daisy on the run. We see that Simmons's implant is causing her problems. It's a little bit like those things that stop you she from... She can still speak, though, eh? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, because he hasn't ordered her to stop. No. Um, it's a little bit like those things um, that they're putting supermarket trolleys you to... Must be, you must be coming around to uh, it. Not surely. in the slightest. Not in well, the slightest. you are being a stubborn idiot. Ambiguous at best. Um, so we see also that Daisy ha- has an inhibitor that's preventing her from using her, her quake powers. Um, they have to go in through Gemma's ear in order to remove the implant, which doesn't seem terribly pleasant. Um, we see the escape ship, or what was going to be the escape ship, explode, which is a bit yeah. of a uh, bit of an SNAG. I like the irony of Casias uh, looking at his scar, considering that he's like killed people in the past for being imperfect. And it's Except, like, ah, oh, yeah. you don't hold yourself to the same bloody. Well, it, it, this is the thing. He. He's um, absolutely terrified of being imperfect. Yeah, yeah. Whereas his brother sees the scar as, as status, glory, and yeah. you know that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, it's it's, it's a manly thing. Um, we see that Blue Balls is pissed with Cassius, and she's she's got like perma bitch please face. She could have a, a, a bitch please face off with May, like you know, any day of the week. Um, Look, May is positively. Um, um, like resting bitch please face no like compared to blue balls she's 
positively neutral. Yeah, she's positively who, beaming. Yeah. Um, there's an, I like the way there's a nice kind of wipe dissolve to May on the surface where the camera goes up mm. and then you see, you know, it actually come through. Yeah. Um, we see her getting attacked by CGI creatures, but she's saved by Enoch. Uh, he explains that he is a sentient Chromicon. Um, and he says that he's, he's here to aid her and um, her who will save humanity. Mm. And then when he says their names, she recognises his voice from the diner yeah. from the end of the last season and gets and all pissed off. And then gets all like PTSD yeah. that he's a robot. And it's funny, we haven't mentioned this, but it is nice that they obviously had this plan because, I mean, he was in the final seat. They cast him at the end of season four. Yeah. And... Um, had him in the episode and he was being Enochy, Enoch like at the end of that. So they obviously, yeah. you know, were you know had it all organized. Yeah, we're lining it up. Mm. I like the fact that when she talks about her injuries, injury says, Are you a doctor? And she's like, No, I'm a fighter. Her injuries. Um her, what, sorry? Did you say her injuries? Her injuries. I thought you said her injuries. No, 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 no. That's like um <laughs> the slang. Um but no, and she says, No, I'm a fighter. Uh, and it's almost as though, you know, she's because she fights so much, she's learnt um you All know the way th- she can hurt herself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, pain is, you know, something that uh, evil can evil knows a little thing about. Um I think once you hurt yourself once as well, you get like really um knowledgeable of the terminology and stuff because I wouldn't know. I'm not a fuckwit like you. Who, yeah, well, <laughs> well, I, I am. I'm just a different kind of fuckwit. I mean, you know, when they go on about trimaleola this and fracture that and Taylor's bones and all kinds yep. of stuff, you end up just having a different uh, dictionary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's nothing like injury and illness to make you a bit of a layperson expert mm-hmm. in these things. Um, so someone grabs them and uh, scares off the beasties. The Cree are killing people looking for Flint. Cassius' brother is a real dick, isn't he? He is uh, an absolute and that's, knob. And that's compared to Cassius, yeah, yeah. who is not exactly an angel, you know. Right. Um, he talks about, um, Cassius talks about his, um, his loyalty to, what's the name? We're going to stop calling her Blue Balls. Sonara. Sonara. Um, we see Fitz get shot by the Blue Meanie that's coming after them, and they're reunited with Deke. He's saying that he's Team Shield now. And I like the fact that he basically just characterises himself. They're like, you've sold us out. And he's like, I'm a pragmatist. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great way of describing and, Deke. And after his explanation of why he does things and his background and stuff, you can kind of see, like, you know, he has no affiliation to these people. He doesn't... He hasn't know, watched the show. Well, no, but, like, he's grown up in a, in a place where if you don't look after yourself then you will die yeah yeah it's it's weakness yeah to, to not do that yeah um mac talks to flint about test this is a scene that you mentioned where he kind of pep talks him and you're seeing him using because now he has much more paternal experience mm. than he did before the framework i mean of sure it's total recall kind of mm. um paternal but it's still experience there. The, the the one thing that got me, the, the most paternal thing, was the, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything, I'm I'm just here. Yeah. I'm just here for you. And, like, I think about the amount of times that, you know, one or both of our kids have been having a tantrum or, you know, sad about something or whatever, and you just sit with them and hug them and 
or just like let them run it out of their system. Yeah, yeah, but know that they're not alone. Yeah, like they just know that you're there when they need them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is where we get the reunion of a team where Fitz rocks up. And I like how happy to see him, Mackie's. Um, and I like the way he's like, how did you get to the future? And he's like, the long way. Mm. Um, they see that Flint's gone. Um, he goes and he kills one of them, but gets... Um, what is it? Kills a... Uh, is that one of the Cree? Uh, no, the- of... Oh, yes, 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 yeah. With the yeah. stone through the eye. Yes, and um, basically they refer to him as bait. This is where I've got there's a fight sequence, another fight sequence, a very pacey episode. They get trapped in the room, very Night of the Living Dead. I like the fact that Coulson's like, look, I've got a room full of scientists, spies and superheroes. Somebody give me something. Mm. Um, I do like that they spend a lot of this episode trapped in very, various locations, like Cassius is in one room the whole time. Yeah. Um, you know the the agents are basically in a an area yeah. for most of it. Um, May is in one location. It's very. It gives a good sense of claustrophobia yeah. without all having to be in the same. Well, I think exact the, spot. for when the writing and the is as good as this, and the cast are as kind of well oiled as this. You can do a lot with very little. Yeah. You know, and I think that in a season six and seven is shorter seasons. This season has less environments than the other ones. So I think there is a little bit of a kind of like there was probably a feeling that the show wasn't as popular as it was. You know, Gabriel Luna said that there was a feeling in season four that they're in quite a precarious position. So my guess is that they were given season five with certain conditions. And I think that because the production of the show had got to a point where you know, they they were so confident that they were able to do that. And, I, and then I think in season six and seven, they were like, their solution was, well, we'll just make less episodes. Mm. You know, that's one way of cutting the budget is just to make less of them. Mm. And then each episode will still look as good, but they'll just be, you know, 13 of them as opposed to 22. Yeah. You know, and um, but I think that the, but I don't think it's to the detriment of the show. I think often when you say, oh, I think the budget was cut this season, that's generally viewed mm. as being a negative, but it wasn't. It's just that they were just like, okay, well, what kind of storyline lends yeah. itself to that? I think they've got such a talented crew and cast um, that that they're coming up with some really imaginative, creative ways. Well, that's what they did in season five of Fringe. That was a budgetary thing. Yeah. Because yeah. The, I said before, the most expensive thing to do on a TV show is to film outdoors. As mm. soon as you go outdoors, all control over your budget yeah. has gone. Location um, so by having a big chunk of this season where, and it's not like it's cheaper in the sense that they're shooting it faster or there's less special effects. It's just that by literally having a storyline that eliminates them being outdoors, they're saving a load of money. Mm. Uh, and that's fine because this storyline makes sense for them to not be outdoors and, and at least not, you know, out in, you know, shooting in downtown Los Angeles where they're having to pay the city to let them stop traffic to shut a street or, yeah. you know, do do whatever needs to be done there. Um, but so, so they hover up the chimney, like sort of reverse Santas with the, um, the sort of uh, using the magnets. <laughs> and, reverse um, Santas, now that's quite the move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mac and Yo-Yo Santa you later. St- stay to help Flint, whereas the others head to the service. Um, we learn that Fitz has left weapons on level three in the past and they all get pissed off about it. And it's kind of a funny moment where Fitz is getting pissed off about the lack of credit that he's getting for it. Yeah. Um, we see... I, I, I 
cryogenically froze myself. Yeah, it's like I've travelled through time for you people. Um, We see, and it's nice as well to see Fitz lightening up a little bit because he's had to do so much kind of navel-gazing intensity that I think that they're like, and that's classic Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There comes a point where they're like, all right, okay, enough of this, enough of this. Let's have that character lighten up now. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. The older brother talks to Sonara about joining him, but Cassius kills him. It goes Roman on him, you know. Mm. Um, And he says... And and, uh, that gives Sonara the reminder that Cassius does care about her. Like, in her eyes, that's a show of, uh, you know, renewing... A pledge to each other. Yeah, that they're in it together. Yeah. Uh, and he says, you know, that he's not suited to the battlefield. And basically, they're, they're kind of a great partnership in many ways. Mm. You know, he's the brain, she's the brawn kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and he talks about uh, his loyalty to her. Um, so we see the team crash landing the spaceship, or seemingly crash landing the spaceship. And then we see May, May wake up with, uh, with Enoch, uh, and she's on the remains of the Zephyr. I like every time they mention the Zephyr, there's a hint of the theme yeah. in the background as well. Um, we see an old lady rock up with the bird. And it's funny because she, and I won't go into a detail about what this is, I almost feel like that's this show's white tulip. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but um, any final thoughts, Hannah, before we, we wrap things up? I really, really enjoyed this episode more than I was expecting to because I, I didn't really remember it as a. Um, you know, a particularly yeah. I mean, it's episode. it's an inconsequential episode, but just a very good one. Just, just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and and really just exciting and interesting and and Ron and Harry are friends compelling. again. It's a compelling. Yeah, episode. yeah, that's a good word for it. Mm. Um, okay, well, um, quick reminder that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail So please uh, let us know how you are enjoying your rewatch of Agents of Shield or just any comments you have on the show in general, the show being Agents of Shield or the Rewatch Project or some combination of both. Uh, so just feel free to send us an email or a voicemail or a voice memo. Um, also, if you listen to us on YouTube, or even if you don't, uh, feel free to leave comments there and we will read them out on the show if they feel um appropriate to do so and also check out our friend shows reviews on uh, apple podcasts and spotify and we are on instagram and twitter at rewatch proj that's rewatch p-r-o-j um so hannah what are we talking about next time uh the next episode is called the last day uh coulson and the team discover that the most unexpected person from shield's past may hold the key to Stopping Earth's Destruction. Oh. It is directed by Nina lopez Corrado. Yep. Haven't said that name for a while. Mm. And written by James and Charlotte Oliver. Okay, looking forward to that one. So we will be back with you very soon. We'll probably... In a day or two. Probably. Tomorrow night, Star Wars night. So I think we'll probably be watching that tomorrow. Uh, but then I think, I dare say, probably the night after that or the night after the night after that. Uh, we will do that. Although I'd quite like to watch some more X-Files at some point soon as well. Um, I don't want us to well, lose momentum on that. Well, you've still got uh, other podcasts to edit and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, there's, yes, gosh, so much geeky stuff to do. It's all, it's all good. Um, but that's us for now, guys, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.